Welcome to 12 Rows Back, where we bring you footy talk from the fans' perspective. I'm really excited. Tom, you're back. You've gotten married. Your whole life's changed or nothing's changed, depending on who you talk to. How are you going tonight? Nah, fantastic, Seb. Life's great. The wedding couldn't have been a better day. Absolutely just chuffed with the way it went. Couldn't have gone better. Couldn't have imagined it better. Absolutely everything we hoped for. Have a wife now. Life's great, mate. So uh, I I give more than two thumbs up if I could. Don't worry about that. That's fantastic. That is no. Nah, that that's one of the best things you'll do, Tom. Uh, getting married. I can I can safely say that I'm closing in on the the five years. Yeah. Uh, with my lovely lovely missus. Uh, but it's not about us being married. It's about footy, and we are two and a half weeks away from round one, which means we are right on the precipice of the home and away season. And I'm getting I'm starting to get itchy feet. I'm getting antsy. Like we are ready to go. And we sort of had the first week of, well, they weren't official preseason games or in the old NAB Cup or Wizard Cup or Ansett Cup, if you go as far back as 98. Uh, but we did have some preseason games on the weekends. There's a little bit to get into there. Yeah, well, I guess off the top um, and, and good to be back. I know uh, last time I was here, I did mention we were back about 8 million times, but we are back and it is great to be back. Uh, but yeah, so I just wanted to talk with you, Seb, off the top. Um, I've dubbed it the invisible preseason game, which is basically what we've sort of had over the last weekend. Now, usually a preseason in days gone past sort of is three, maybe even up to four, I think they've done in the past if you made it all the way to the uh the finals, like some teams in 96, 04 and 08. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, the, the game now is, I'm dubbing it the invisible preseason game. It is completely off the books. It's off Broadway. It is borderline a media free zone, except for the diehards. There's a few you know staff that get out there, but it's not covered on, on Fox. There's no footage really of the game, apart from, I guess, the clubs recording it themselves for the, yeah, as I said, for the diehard fans. And I'm just wondering, I know obviously COVID played a role, but it's sort of come in in the last few years that, um, yeah, that this invisible preseason game, I, I'm thinking the clubs love it because it's a free hit off, yeah, as I said, off uh, off Broadway, off from the main lights. And if it goes good or bad, uh, you know, it's, it's not a worry for the clubs because, you know, only the f- real, real diehards who jump in online see it. So uh, just wondering your thoughts on, on that one. I know... Um, probably a good thing given the Saints rused uh, pracky game result over the weekend. I'll be nice to you about that one, but uh, wouldn't I, I didn't see it. it yeah, well, I would be a Saints fan said if I didn't bring up a preseason game. So uh, it was an invisible there. one, mate. I didn't see it. Don't know what happened. Yeah. Uh, I hear if you add an extra one to our score, we got nice and close. Yeah, that might have might have helped you, but um, yeah. What, what do you reckon though? I guess. Yeah. The, yeah these well, games are off Broadway. Well, they initially scheduled two preseason games, and how long ago was it? We went from the NAB Cup to the NAB Challenge Series, and then it was was it, was it some Oz Farmers or something like that? Yeah, I reckon Community it was, Series or something like that. Yeah, no, there there was. There's been a few acronyms. I think it was like a JBL or a couple yeah, of different it, letter combo it was names. Just a chance to send bloody Footscray out to Ballarat to play a game. Like yeah, it, it was, right. it was just a. All right, we find we get it. Like we're not going to play for a preseason cup. We're going to just tone it down, and we're going to treat them like practice games. After that whole Paul Ruse, was he seen yeah. telling? Was it Jared McBay telling like, "Don't 
kick a goal, don't win the game. Like I want to get out of the preseason cup. Yeah, not that's go it. Further. Which um, I think the last one might have been twenty thirteen. I think the Lions got up in that one. Um and then yeah, well, that was sort of, you know, end of what was that Ruzi's tenure in Melbourne? Anyway, he was definitely involved. He was anti preseason. So yeah, I've I've heard that story. Yeah, I I mean the stories of the the nineties North Melbourne had to win them just to stay afloat. Um, hearing that from last week. We yeah. Um so it was always a I mean, people started to finally cotton on. There's no point going so hard when you're playing for effectively nothing in terms of the ultimate prize is to win a premiership and winning any preseason game, as great as it might feel, means nothing. And I think the 04 Saints summed it up with the photo of Grant and Lenny really <laughs> wishing they were at home in bed. Um, but then contrast that with the, when was it? Was it Carlton 05? Yeah, Carlton 05. I think uh, 05. They, oh, they blitzed even it. Even 07 as well, I think they made it as well. Oh, no, yeah. They had Juddy that year though, didn't they? Oh, no, yeah, no, it's the 05 oh. one that you're thinking of, though. Fev went berserk yeah. and They celebrated the like they won the flag. Um, I don't think they had Juddy yet in the 07 one. He came a year after. But, yeah, they were celebrating like they won the flag and then promptly went on to win another wooden spoon, as was the style at the time for Carlton. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, look, I think it makes a lot of sense to start dialing back the preseason. But So, there's two really strange things here. You have the AFL scheduled two and then brought it back to one from what seemed to be COVID reasons, but yet yeah. the club still played the game in that week. I don't know yeah. if it was the same schedule and same location, but they still went out and played a game. So how does COVID, what, suddenly, it's like you go to a restaurant and you're sitting down and eating, you can't get hit by COVID. Or if you play tennis, you can't get hit by COVID. Well, if you play a, a unscheduled preseason game or practice game, you can't get hit by COVID. But if it was a scheduled one from the AFL, you'd be stuffed. So that made no sense. And you know, we look, you can dial them down, dial them up. But you know what's really interesting? The NBL are playing an in-season tournament for money, right? So oh, geez. I didn't know that. They've got their regular season. And these games count towards their regular season standings. But they get a point for every quarter they win. And there's a different seeding. All the teams are in a hub in Melbourne. And at the end of that, the team's going to win this. Uh, they're going to win a prize. It'll be a cash prize to the players and the team. And it creates a whole sense of urgency through the regular season where a lot of the basketball ones in particular can drag on. So these are, the NBA has talked about doing this as well. And I think they're going to try and do something because obviously they played in a bubble last year and yeah. it had a little bit of success. So other sports are going the other way and adding in these tournaments that don't actually factor into winning the ultimate prize, but are creating a sense of urgency and, and winning something. Um, yeah, that's interesting because I guess my example that springs to mind is over in uh, with the Premier League. They've got you know your yeah. FA Cup and your League Cup, and they're uh, particularly the League Cup has always copped it because it's just another bloody tournament it doesn't have any meaning there's not the history behind it as compared to the fa cup so yeah that, that's an interesting concept particularly now yeah when you add financial into it which i guess is just as we've seen you know bleeding into every form of every sport really money talks and yeah. um, bulldust walks clean that up a little bit for <laughs> oh, the family that one. fans <laughs> but um yeah, but just to go back onto the games, I think actually I'll, I'll take my hat off to the Scott brothers who were probably pioneers in this. I reckon a couple of years ago that the two brothers got together and were like, look, our teams need a run around on top of what we've already got. Let's just have an in, in-house game. 
you know, I'll get my boys, you get yours. And then they just, I think they snuck it by the AFL somehow. And then, you know, that, that might have been the start of this concept of the uh, invisible game because that was behind closed doors down at uh, GMHBA. might have been Baytech Arena at the time. I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, you know, it, it, they, they pioneered this. And now it's actually fully taken off and COVID's probably actually given it another boost. Yeah, it's a way to have the clubs control the hit out more because it's yeah. non-saction. So they can say, yeah, we're only doing 20-minute quarters. Uh, I know the game in Adelaide was four 30-minute quarters, no time on. So they just kept it simple, meaning they didn't have to have someone manning the clock, but they play roughly the same time. Uh, it's just one of those things that the clubs have more control of, which they like. Um, the one thing, the media did start cottoning on to what was happening. And... Uh, you could some clubs did it through their membership, so you had to be a member to watch the stream. Other clubs just did it for free. So depending on I, I know I was listening to SCN and Dwayne Russell was trying to log in to watch the Hawks Bulldogs game. Uh and he I think he ended up signing up to be a member of the dogs. Interestingly oh, like, enough, just to get a link though, through. Yeah. And, yeah, the dogs need it as as to the my club, admittedly, but and, and, and mine too. I'm I'm pretty sure ours well our game ended up on YouTube two days later, but I think you needed a membership login to get the actual vision live. Yeah, but you can, I mean, look, as long as you've got your membership, you can log in. If you've got a Chromecast, you can cast it off to your TV and then you're watching. Um, and then what they did, which was smart, they had some aspiring commentators and like, I know Cal Toomey called a game, who's does more work for AFL media and he's a big draft guy. I know you love yeah, the draft, Tom. Draft guru, uh, as they call him. But he was calling a game. Now, I don't think I'd hear him calling a game at any point through this season. But, you know, for guys who want to get into it, they're obviously doing it for free, but it's experience, exposure, and all that sort of stuff. So maybe we have to get down to one of these and, and live record our commentary, Tom. I think there's a little opening there, and I, I would love to do that. I think, uh, and I think our, our listeners would like to hear our, our smooth tones on a, on a game. Dare I say, maybe a Saints or Ruse one just for the warped perspective i think we both give our uh, respective teams i think it'd be like the press read for ed if either of one of us were doing yeah, that sort of I stuff think it'd be but, a fans only one wouldn't it absolutely um i, I want to jump on so we we, sh- we i should take my hat off to yourself for uh going solo a couple of weeks back and really enjoyed the ep actually last week with uh pat um i think I guess, you know, the WA perspective, I thought it would seep through, but you, you, you're very restrained in your views. Um, Pat, Pat was fantastic, although I did notice a bit of anti-Sydney coming through with a few, uh, few mentions of that uh, 05, 06 era. But um, look, really enjoyed his sign-off. Go every team that's playing the Bombers. I thought that was a bit of a ripper. And uh, I think that's here to stay. Yeah, so just wanted to touch on a few things last week that uh, you guys covered, in particular the the Tassie team. I'm I'm a definite uh, a fan of uh, of that one, and thought you had some really interesting points on that. I know obviously there's there's money flying around down there with your club and the Hawks, but actually really enjoying seeing the stand the the Tassie government's putting on there because I'd love to see a team down there, and I think it can be done as you mentioned last week. Um, maybe not right now, but within the next five years, maybe you know thinking about when the broadcast rights are coming through. I know, I think they're up in two years, so maybe the one after that. So maybe that might be seven, but definitely on board there. And, and as I you did, um, of- just before you move on on that, I did hear Hutchie have a great point about this Tassie team. The Tasmanian government has stopped and put their foot down, right? Yeah. Do you know how many games were played in Tasmania last year? 
Zero. None. Was Brady? Yeah, zero. Yeah. Yeah. None were played because the government wouldn't let us into play despite the fact Tasmania had almost no cases whatsoever. So they've gone from not letting anyone come in to play a game last year to demanding a team this year. So well, I guess if you say it like that, that's a fair jump. But um, Maybe they should just try and get the games back down there before they start <laughs> demanding teams and stuff like that. But um, I think for a national competition, you have to, as I sort of touched on last week, but it was a good point. Oh, no, we, won't, we don't want you in last year, like COVID, no, 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 no. We want a team now. It's like, well, you can't have your cake and eat it too in this world. No, absolutely. But I'd look to put the shoe on the other foot. I think the NBL, they're, they're, I mean, I don't know how scared or if scared's even the right word, the AFL, the NBL, they're probably keeping an eye on them and they've got, got a team coming through. And I think it's actually just more the grassroots that sort of worries me. You, you don't want to sort of have a, a missing generation of Tassie talent. You threw some names up last week. There's some great players that have come out of the Apple Isle. But um, yeah, just you don't want that talent sapping and, and basketball actually, you know, is one of the most popular sports for kids, just given the ease of making a court and getting teams, you know, through a center. I know you and I play at the old King club in Cheltenham with four courts, but geez, those courts were full from basically after school through to 10 o'clock at night. Uh, you and I featuring more at the 10 o'clock end, um, you know, so it, yeah, that's just something to keep an eye on. So that's just uh, a point I've got there. And just you had a really interesting chat with Pat last week about uh, the crowds at games and particularly just the sort of COVID limits. So we're getting more of an idea of that um, as it comes through. And I'm, I'm pretty sure round one, they're looking at 50,000 for that Tigers Carlton game. And I know you mentioned the sort of breakdown of how that'll work, but um, I just had a plain question to you. I mean, the ruse, I'm pretty sure round one play port. Are you going to try and go? Yeah, yep. Yeah. I've um, already teed the old man up, and we're gonna. Yeah. We're we're definitely gonna go, um, no doubt about it. I actually got a text message from North Melbourne. Well, I got two, just earlier. A unique AFL code to access tickets to our preseason game against Hawthorne this week. Oh, there uh, you go. I've got a code for me and a code for my son, who's three and never attended a game, so I can get an extra ticket there and take whoever I want. Uh, but my word, I'll be going. I'll be going to every game I can while I've got the enthusiasm. Like, it might be tough yeah. to get me to North Melbourne, Richmond, you know, sort of week 13 in the depths of July. Um, or I think, we, I think we go down to the Cattery this year. And last time I went down, it wasn't a great experience. We kicked um, one goal per game that day. So, Jeez. it was a yeah, rough day. Look, <laughs> look I, I can't argue. I haven't had too much luck down at the Cattery myself over the last... 30 years and I'm, you know. Um, I was there the day David Hale kicked eight on Matthew Scarlett. Now there is a day you can hang your uh, your watch on there. He was fantastic. Just yeah. just tore him to shreds, didn't he? Scarlett was never the same after that. <laughs> I fully agree with that. Big uh, hair hat Hale. That was the peak of his career. Um, yeah, but well, yeah, so you're, you're, you're definitely, and I know, I mean, round one Saints play the Giants, I'm out. I've got the D's in round two and yeah, I, I'd be keen to go as well. I guess we're on that side that we're both um, signed up with our clubs. I'm just wondering, and I'll be interested to see how it pans out with the uh, general admission and your sort of random walk-up fan. I'm thinking there's a bit of a swing, and the AFL might like this swing towards memberships because you've got a guaranteed seat and you can guarantee go, you know, COVID-related. They know who you are, so it's easier to sort of get in potentially. And 
um, whether or not there'll be that swing towards memberships and maybe the AFL can drive a bit of that rather than you walk up. But that's going to be something I'm going to keep an eye on this year. My word, it'll... Um, yeah, they're obviously going to need to track who's where and all that sort of stuff in case there is an outbreak and there may well be. Um, but no, I think... I hope they've not so much learnt from last year, but seen what they need to do from last year and they've got a good handle on it. What do you think about the prospect of Essendon and Hawthorne being moved from Marvel Stadium to the MCG? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Well, look, I can see the team's need to, uh, you know, get every cent that they can by going to the bigger venue, but Essendon home game, if I'm not mistaken. Yep play it at your home ground. Um, I think yeah, if every team's trying to sneak, you know, an extra 10,000, I mean, will there be any games at Marvel? Will all Victorian games end up being at the G? Because Well, they're playing Melbourne Fremantle at the G in round one, and that ain't going to get 50,000. Yeah, that's true. Well, look, I mean, they. I guess that they, they could. I mean, it, so that one, the Dons is on the Saturday night. Um, Look, they, they probably could, but I guess it's just the precedent that you set with that one. If you can just move games two, three weeks out, the whole comp will want to do that or the big clubs will want to do that. So I guess yep. so they've you got to draw the line somewhere. You play at your home ground. Oh, I'm opening myself up for one here, playing at your home ground. Uh, well, I mean, uh, Is, as but, much as you well, can. That's how it's fixtured. So you play at your home ground, what, unless it's the grand final? Yeah, or you're a Cats fan and it's a qualifying, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, there are these quirks, as we know. Um, I'm just on the side that they're trying to keep a consistent tone. But I, I will, you know, be the first in line to rip the AFL if they do end up changing, you know, a Richmond or, a, you know, a Carlton later in the year just because of the same sort of situation. I guess maybe they've jumped on the fact that the this is probably the lowest ladder position wise the dons and hawks have probably been at the same time maybe ever oh um, yeah based on ladder position you don't want to go and watch this one i'm telling sort of you look, yeah i mean I, i'm happy to be proved wrong and I, I have potted both these clubs as have you but we're sort of thinking it's a bottom four tussle for this one um that's exactly where we had them in our predictions i think yeah, in that yeah. bottom four. Yeah, so um, I mean, I, I I would have been like move it if it was. I think um, might have been 2017, 2018, Bombers Hawks. It was at the MCG on a Saturday night, and they got 75, and that was huge. I think the Bombers got up, and the Hawks are at that stage were in their sort of you know three peat uh, heyday, um, and it got 75. I mean, those clubs at that stage seem to be both flying, but it's not the case now. And I guess yeah. With the precedent, I, I just I'm glad they didn't move that one. Yeah, look, there's two things here. The AFL they shot themselves in the foot because when they did the fixture, they would have. I, I'm suspecting they said to either the machine that spits it out or the person that sits there and does it, we're just going to stick to what we normally do. We're we're just going to schedule them at their home games. We'll go week by week. Obviously, it's only the first four or six weeks that have actually got time slots. Yeah, that's right. I think it's something like that. And it's sort of like, hello, AFL. They were never going to allow 100% into the first week of games. It's never going to happen. They're probably going to be 25 to 50%. So what do you think is going to draw more? Hawthorne, Essendon or Melbourne Frio? I could have told you that before they did the fixture, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, now they don't want to admit they're wrong because they're never wrong. Yeah. Never wrong. But it makes logically logical sense financially for the game 
and also for the fans that have been locked out for some 600 plus days of going to a game here in Melbourne. Yeah, well, that we, look, that's we a love fair our one. Sport, I agree with that. We love our sport. No, no, that's here. fair. Let them in. Stuff Melbourne are digging their heels in saying we've got a contract, this, that, and the other. Well, last time Melbourne played free out the G, I think it was 20 odd thousand. So it's sent it across, across town. What is their argument there? They don't want like another game on the turf before they play, even though they've spent a year playing on the Metricon and Gabba surfaces that were copying it day in, day out. Is that, was that an art? Like, why don't they want them there? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. I know the uh, Gary Pert, president of Melbourne now. Yeah, I think he was so. on radio digging his heels. You know, we've got contracts here with the MCC, this, that, and the other. We're playing it there. And I'm just thinking, so for all of last year, all the clubs in Melbourne did the right thing and just copped it and went up to hubs in Queensland. And, and we've heard how rough it was. And now here we are. COVID's still affecting the world. There are still people jobless. You know, I was talking to some at your wedding who their industry almost died. You know, yeah, but no, the hospitality for sure. Here we and travel. Here uh, we yeah, can't. Travel, yeah. Here we can't just do something logical and let more fans in. The fans who support and pay for the game ultimately, like the broadcaster writes the check, but they don't write the check unless the fans are watching the games. Look, it's all semantics. The AFL will do as they please, as they always do. But I think from the fans' point of view, if I'm a Bombers fan and I've got a three or four-game membership and this is one of the games I can go to, but I can't get a ticket because there are only 25,000 going in, uh, it's it's pretty poor form for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm Look, yeah, great points there. I think you might have even changed my tune. I mean, I'm going to be interested to see what they get. I'm hoping as a stand that the Bombers and Hawks fans vote with their feet and turn out to that one and get 29,000 on the dot or whatever the max they can get is for that one. So they could prove the AFL wrong, but yeah, I'm with you. I can't see it changing and that's a stiff one for the fans. Now we've lost an icon of our game over, over the weekend and not lost in the uh, permanent sense, but Bruce is hanging up the microphone. Yeah, massive, massive uh, loss for the industry in my eyes. I know, um, and, and stunned that it, there was no sort of farewell. It was a, just an immediate I'm out. Um, it was a great opportunity for them to just have Bruce do some marquee games or something across the year to start winding back, but still give fans something. Um, yeah, that's right. And I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and does a game at some stage through the year, but um yeah, it was interesting. He didn't declare last year was his final game or anything like that. It was this year. He's just maybe he's getting closer to the date and just decided he's had enough. Um, and fair enough, he's he's done a fair bit over the journey. Um, but this is how you know he's that iconic. I just said to you, Bruce is hanging up the microphone, not Bruce McAvaney. Yeah, he's, he's a one not, man. But you just say Bruce, and you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, that and that that's his standing. I guess he. I think I, I was seeing uh, on online, and I think his first game might have been, you know, round one, nineteen ninety. So he legit is the voice of the AFL era. Yeah, yeah. From its basic its start, I think nineteen ninety was the that new uh, logo um, and and the AFL um, branding. But um, yeah, he, he's just been the voice. I mean, part of me uh, is a little sad as a Saints fan that I won't hear Bruce calling us winning our next flag if. You know, if that's ever going to come, let's hope it's uh, this year. But um, there's, there's know, a long he, list of commentators that haven't called the Saints winning a flag, Tom. 
Yeah, true. <laughs> Let's see. We've missed out on some good ones over the stretch. Walked into that. Um, but look, he his commentary, so detailed, um, so enthusiastic for the game. Um, I, I mean, the game's iconic moments. You've got to have Bruce commentary. He, he, he would be all over the top 10 and 20 commentary moments. Um, look, I'm always stunned when I guess yeah you get this close to the season starting and you retire in the pre-season. But he he's got a lot on his plate. I mean I guess the Olympics coming up and and racing, which he's also given a lot to. Um, yes, he might have been past his absolute best, but geez, his his sort of twilight career commentary is better than some primes in other commentators. So. Uh, I, I think he's he's definitely going to leave a massive hole. I think, you know, the game's going to obviously sound different and feel different with him not there on a Friday or a, uh, or a Saturday or a, in the final series. So, yeah, big shoes to fill for that one. But he, yeah, absolute icon of the game. He'll be inducted into the Hall of Fame because uh, they do induct media and administrators. So he, he'll be in there one day and deservedly so. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't echo your sentiments any more strongly. Uh good chance for my man JB to step up he'll be uh, assuming the mantle for at least the first week of the season I believe for I guess it'll be yeah. Thursday night well, that, um, that's the next one it's sort of I think a JB BT and maybe Hamish McLaughlin sort of as the next in line I, I would suggest on Channel 7 yeah see I reckon Channel 7 have known about this for a while but they just sort of put it out at this point there's a little bit of a lull uh, but they'll have plans for it and they'll be able to use it as a free hit at the stumps to trial different teams, you know, in different styles across the year. Like I reckon the Duke Luke Darcy will, will get a crack at it at some stage this year, yeah. even though he's uh, can be as stiff as a post. Um, <laughs> but no, look, um, all credit to Bruce. He's had an outstanding career, not fully retiring, just scaling back his responsibilities, which I guess without knowing the figure, I reckon he's made a pretty penny from seven over the years and will keep earning and will just be able to start. It's a transition to retirement. I believe, I believe they call it. Uh, there you go. I should add as well on your point before, or with the uh, sort of intra club games online, that there's a little, little vacuum there, I guess, for a, a commentator to come through and, and earn their stripes. So look, let's see if that happens. Uh, Intra club to making it onto prime time. I think that'd be a hell of a journey for a commentator. Um, but look, that's a wait and see. It is. It is. Now hit me with an injury update, Tom. What What have you heard? Yeah. So just scouring through the injury lists. Obviously, that's big for your round one side, your early uh, season form. I know there's footy tipping comps and super coach going nuts at the moment. So who's out there? You know, you don't want players missing any of pre-seasons really, because this is where they get those hard yards in before the grind of the season. But just a few off the top that I've been able to dig out, Seb. Uh, one for our Eagles fans is for you, Pat. Uh, unfortunately, Elliot Yo battling a little bit of osteitis pubis actually at the moment. Ooh, so it's a good. sort of early 2000s term but it's still still a legit concern uh so he he's iffy i guess for the early part of the season because of that that one's really not a one two three whatever weaker it's a bit of a just general doubt that you get um i know we're also with the eagles nick nad and um big joshy kennedy and even tim kelly his slight concerns but i'm hearing they'll be all good for round one uh taylor adams for the pies he's touch and go at the moment um just battling his way through there. Big Sean Darcy over at Frio carrying the ruck load there. He's got a sore knee. 
uh, down at the Cattery, which I'm keeping an eye on the, uh, the injuries down There's there. There's a few got, down there. Yeah, they've got Mitch Duncan, who I've got off the top of my list, with a double calf, back-to-back calf complaints for Mitch there. So whether or not that means, you know, Sean Higgins has got to go into the mid rather than coming off half-back, that'll be interesting to see. Gee, that's, um, that's, that's a harsh – gee, that's tough. Oh, we'll just have to throw Sean Higgins in the Yeah, mix. I know, like, it's a fair luxury. He's elite, Sean Higgins. Kicked a couple <laughs> in their pracky game. Uh, Jeremy Cameron and Danger battling some hamstring queries. They should be right for round one, but you just don't want to be coming into the year with that hanging over your head when some, not me, but some are referring to them as a sort of a, a retirement home. Uh, well, yeah, I, w- I would definitely stand by that statement. I, I, <laughs> we'll see how that pans out. That, that's our tab for later. Um, I, I want to throw at you the concerns I've got about the D's key position stocks with both uh, Wiedemann and Brown. Brown we've mentioned before, but uh, the big weed as well in doubt for the early part of the year, the early round. So, can I ask you a question, Tom? Yeah. Do you think life is fair? <laughs> no. No, it it's not. not at all. These two are down. Melbourne are going to struggle. Simon Goodwin will get sacked. And <laughs> you're calling the, these particular injuries the first. And well, you've called this cog since mid last year. So, yeah, this is so, just a, it's ticking along to plan for you, Seb. I'm doubling down on my doubling down of my statement that he will be sacked by <laughs> quadrupling through down. this year. So I think I've got until August this year, which is really the back half of the year, sort of the back quarter, but they struggled to kick goals last year. You got these two out, you bring in Brown, you know, great goal kicker, but he's going to miss two months. He's going to miss two months, Tom. Like that's significant time. And if the D's are struggling, like simple Simon's just gone. Just thanks, thanks for your time, Simon. Off you go. We're going to try with someone else, and uh, you know, life's not fair, but that's what's going to happen. Yeah, look, I I, I agree with that statement. You can't go for a team like uh, the Saints or the D's really without uh, <laughs> believing that the weed was he was coming of age. He was beginning to just be that solid forward that they need for him. So that that's a real step back too, because I was looking forward to his year. Um, did notice just quickly uh, on the 12 rows back, uh, Twitter, which was, uh, and Instagram, we're on, we're on both, so check those out. Uh, a bit of Saints injury news just perking up on that one. Not sure who was handling the Twitter uh, and the Insta at that point, but it wasn't me. But uh, a few concerns down at the Saints, Rowan Marshall uh, with the foot uh, that he's battling with there, might miss the first fortnight of the year, which isn't ideal. I did hear Paddy Ryder doing extra running work, so they're probably getting him up to speed. And obviously Ben Patton with that freak leg break, which was uh, just unfortunate that your Ruffy is back in it and, and causing that. That's just a freak injury. So, look, we'll, we'll have to test the depth out there. Uh, you've got some concerns down at Arden Street with Jed Anderson, just with a slight calf. I think he'll make round one, but just a slight injury there. He was a rare shining light for you down there last year, Jed. He was great, so you don't want him uh, missing any games. No, he's a bull, Jed Anderson. We love him down there. Tack and machine. And uh, uh, just just a, a final one, uh, just on the Bombers. So big uh, Michael Hurley, he, he's had a hip infection. And the worry there is it's actually, um, you know, taken as fair time to heal as some infections do. And he's actually lost a ton of weight. So uh, they're, they're not worried, I guess, so much of the injury is more, he's got to put some size and, and get back that fitness that he's lost just from, from being laid low with that injury. So there's one for the, for the Bombers fans to consider for that game at Marvel. 
yeah, so I want to talk about the Bombers a little bit. Uh, yeah. And obviously, the, the Hurley thing's been talked about a little bit. And he, I think he got down to the the practice game they were playing and walking around talking to a few, a few of the players and stuff like that. They don't know when he's coming back to play. They've, they've got no idea. It could be a few weeks. It feels like it's going to be a couple of months longer. Um, and given the experience that went out of the side in Danaher, Saad, and Fantasia, obviously the names that are talked about, they're bringing in youth and that's great, but you need a mix of it. And now you've got Andy McGrath missed under concussion protocols, should be all right to go. And you'd hope he is. Um, if he's missing, he's huge for them. Yeah. So he, he missed that practice game. Zaha Arkas has got a little knee query and Stringer's battling an Achilles issue. Now, I don't know who's oh. going to kick goals to the Bombers. You've got Danaher who they're going to say, yep, yeah, well, you didn't want to play here. Let's get rid of him. If you talk to any Bombers fans over the last five years before Danaher's officially left, and they tell you, well, oh, just wait till he gets back. He's a star. He could do anything. And they're right. But he's not there now. And now some of the players who maybe were having a free hit in terms of, oh, yeah, well, they're playing forward. We know they're not Danaher. Danaher will come back. Now there's some pressure on them. And I just don't know where their goals are coming from. That's my biggest query over the Bombers. They're, they obviously had three sort of picks in a row in the draft. I know one of them played quite well. I forget, I forget the names of all three, if I'm being perfectly honest. But I know one of them had a significant hit out on the weekend. Uh, they've actually managed to pick up uh, a little key forward who sort of popped up in Alec Waterman who kicked four um, and he's been signed to a contract ex West coast listed player. Um, he's a real excitement machine for them, but they're going to need more like that to sort of kick goals and get themselves in games, but they're going to be the bombers that we've seen a lot over the last few years. I think with, they're going to have speed and youth and a lot of running and the ball might move down quickly and they might score goals quickly, but they're inexperienced and, and, just sort of, I guess, maybe lack of bigger bodies and stuff like that will mean it's firing back the other end just as quick and, and potentially more often. Um, but Alec Waterman will be a good pickup for them. I just worry about the senior players that have left plus the injuries to these other senior players. Uh, they can add up real quick when you don't have a depth, uh, not a depth, but a, a spread of senior players across the ground. Yeah, well, look, that the, that's just concerning to hear, I guess, because so you're, I guess, saying that their next big forward thing is a bloke that's not currently on their list. He's just signed to their list. He's just signed on their list. Prior to so, that game, I don't think he was. Yeah, there you go. So, that, that I mean, yeah, that, that's got to be a, a worry off the top. I mean, uh, you did mention, and I've just pulled it up here, but... Um, they did uh, draft, I've got to hear, Nick Cox, Archie Perkins, Zach Reed. Uh, quote me if I'm wrong, but I believe two of them are sort of your 200 plus height uh, forwards. Um, you've obviously got James Stewart there. I mean, are you swinging a, a Paddy Ambrose up forward to kick goals? Uh, and, you know, otherwise you're just going small. And I guess the small forward game isn't one to rely on week to week. So I'm with you. I'm, I've got concerns too. Um, as, as we always say, happy to be proved wrong, but there's just, yeah, massive question marks on there. And, and yeah, it, it deflates a team when you can't kick a goal, obviously, and your forward line's not functioning. They're getting frustrated. The mids are getting frustrated. The back line's under constant stress. Um, you know, we've seen that at uh, local level on occasion, but um, 
Yeah, look, they're going to have to pull a real rabbit out of the hat. It's going to be a bit of a baptism of fire for uh, for old ruts over there. So, yeah. look, just just so I we know. Say, f- yeah, I will say not to be full negative Nancy on on the on the bombers. Obviously, Ridley was a star last year, and he'll continue to go from strength to strength. Um, Archie Perkins was a the player who I think had a pretty good hit out and look, looks ready for round one. Uh, and Jai Caldwell slotted in really well, seasoned professional from the Giants. Um, and I think he's going to have a decent year with them. So, like, they've got some – got Merritt, Shield, McGrath, Caldwell. I guess hopefully Dyson Hebbles at full strength. He can slot through the middle. Langford, Parrish. There's some decent players in there. I just worry about their ability to score goals. And potentially with the, the real big key forwards, how are they going to stop them? I mean, like Hurley and Hooker are their two key defenders who don't really like to defend. And I actually have spoken to some Bombers fans who believe that you can't sort of play both of them in the side because they, they've got a touch of the old BJ Goddards about them. They'll zone off, they'll do all their pointing and management, but when push comes to shove, they don't man up and they have goals kicked against them. I've just had a look actually at the Bombers uh, run to start the season. So you've got the Hawks first up, um, then you're following that one with a game against the Power in Adelaide. Uh, round three, you've got the Saints. Uh, then they've got the Swans at the SCG, followed by oh, believe uh, the it. Lions at the Gabba, and then they've got Ants Day. So how many of those six? I mean, we're going real early here, but... Uh, bombers hat on, they'll win three. Yeah, they... <laughs> Yep. Bombers had on three. They'll yeah. beat they'll beat the Hawks, they'll beat the Saints, they'll beat the Pies. Uh logical fans had on, they'll win one to two. Yeah, there you go. So look, e- either way, that's that's mid table at best. Um, although if they can beat the Saints and they'll be flying. But um yeah, so look the, I'm gonna we're obviously we've got a lot of bombers listeners, uh some that we've tried to invite on the show that we still want to get on, um, that we're happy to talk to. Uh we're happy to be proven wrong, obviously. We've said that before. Um, but let's keep an eye on the bombers. I know we will. I want to talk about you mentioned before Alec Waterman is a bit of a practice match bolter. Uh, I just want to talk about a couple of others that we've picked out. Uh, and you've you've got a couple here, Sauce. We'll go with yours off the top. Oh, you want to go with mine? I was going to say you've picked yours out at random. Like, just, yeah, all right. Uh, I just, I noticed uh, Jamara Ugal Hagen didn't play in the senior team, which I thought was surprising for a kid so highly touted in a, as you called it, an invisible practice game or, or a behind closed doors practice game. To not just have him in the senior team didn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, I don't know if you've read into it any further, but I know the Dogs did have a couple of players trying out for their list playing in that team, but maybe they just want to ease him through it. Uh, I can tell you from my spies down at Arden Street, Tom Powell will be starting in our team, who was our there you go. Pick 13, second pick for us. Uh, I've spoken, and I can say this, hand on my heart, have spoken to his family who are real happy he stayed in Melbourne and got drafted to North. There you go. Oh, that's a good quality local source that one I, I love seeing a draftee get a game in round one I, I think it's fantastic not just obviously for the family but just for your club to have a youngster knocking on the door uh, and and cracking through I, I can't be a Saints fan and not sit here and be excited by the performance of Mason Wood on your home deck to uh, bob up and kick four against his old side yes it was a practice match but I, 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 you, you'd agree with me that the, the kid does have talent uh, I'm hoping that he can put some sort of season or three or four together for us. 
obviously, um, yeah, it's easy to get excited about a practice game. That's what we do best. But um, yeah, he was exciting and, and just a bit of a complementary force when you've sort of got uh, your Tim Memory and Max King up in our forward line and Joshy Battle. It's just just that sort of smaller can go under the radar, which probably suits Mason a little bit more, not being that uh, you know getting the best defender. So. Yeah, look, uh, lids off about Mason. I'm thinking he might sneak into our round one team. Yeah, all power to you, Tom. I can tell you, as a North Melbourne fan, we had the highest of hopes for young Mason. I, I, look, I know you did, and I've spoken to plenty of Roos fans who had the same thoughts. And I can tell you, the amount of times he did this and then went missing, it was just it was astronomical. In 65 games, I reckon he played seven or eight really good ones and went missing the following week every single time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, look, he did happen and, to have one of those good ones against us when he saved the game with that long set shot. I won't forget that. So I was going to say, my lasting memory of Mason, he won the game against the Swans. I believe we were at your 30th, and he just did a little dance and slotted one. I think you were at the front of the 30th with a live phone watching the end of that two-point win in the end. It was my word, I was. And then he effectively brought in the shot clock because yeah. he changed the shot clock rule because he had his 30 seconds. The runner had told him there was less than 30 and he just stood there and watched the clock go down and, oh, it's a bad look for the game. We're going to change it now. Well, uh, AFL, that's reactive and, and poor, but uh, more power to you. It's pretty common for Mason Wood to play really well in an off-Broadway practice game winning 90 by 90 points. Like that's Mason Wood's bread and butter. You know, week three, or week 15 in the clinches, tight game. Where's he got? Oh, he's probably done his hammy. He's probably missing. Uh, you know, heart struggle to get in the game. Like there'll be some real heat going his way when North play St Kilda, even if it's just for me. There'll be some heat. I know that the empty seats will be because of your supporting and not because of COVID protocol. That one, I'll, I'll look out for that. But thanks for the rundown on uh, Mason Wood. It makes me feel less comfortable about him and more that he's in the Jesse Smith mold. But I'm hoping he's going to prove you wrong because we don't need another one of those. But um, now, nah, look, I was excited. You, you can't not four goals on Arden Street. Probably his best game on Arden Street. So he did in the right colours. I just want to quickly just, after we've uh, gone through the boulders there, just give just a little clip to the AFL for whoever decided that the Saints... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Is this a return of Tom Takes Aim? Yeah, actually. It's back? I, it's a little rusty, but I'm taking aim again. I'm going again, and it's on my favourite topic, jumper clashes, uh, AFLW over the weekend. Just whoever made that decision to allow the St Kilda and Adelaide teams to go out onto that ground wearing basically the same jumper. They both had white backs with dark numbers. It was an absolute mess. Dare I say it probably helped uh, Jason Bennett's career as commentator trying to commentate you know 44 players that looked exactly the same on the field it was an absolute nightmare it's just crazy to think the AFLW doesn't deserve that it doesn't deserve that the fans don't deserve that it was unnecessary and then just another one that I've seen during the preseason was uh, the Cats in their usual strip uh, with white shorts playing against the Pies and the Pies wore a full black jumper now, if it's good enough for a pracky, even if it is uh, off off Broadway, as we keep saying, if it's good enough for that, why can't we see it in the the regular season? It makes no sense. It still boggles my mind. Maybe now that Eddie's gone and his addiction to getting those stripes out, they can actually talk some sense and we can see a proper Collingwood class strip. But I just thought, yeah, preseason. I know it's a time when the the out there jumpers get a run, and we've seen some absolute preseason classics. Uh, but yeah, look. 
it, it, it grinds my gears and it's already started and it's only the start of March, Seb. So it's let's just hope the AFL can have a good year on that front. Yeah, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on these these jumper clashes through the year because while it's never bothered me, it just makes so much... It makes no sense to not have a strict clash policy in and just not reward the home team, just allow the home team to wear their desired jumper and you're coming to play, you're coming on our turf, you wear something that doesn't clash. Like, just logical from a viewer's perspective, but that's not how the AFL operates, as you know. (laughs) Dare I say, we should almost have a sound effect for us talking logic and the AFL not. I think that comes up a fair bit on these... uh, on 12 rows back and feel free to jump in if you do have any thoughts on us talking logic at our uh, gmail 12 rows back at gmail.com we still want your emails this year and a big year ahead absolutely now just on that i was going to touch on the, the mailbags back but i think we're just going to expand how we can accept not accept but how we can get to the fans so Great. obviously the email is 12 rows back at gmail.com if you want to send us an instagram dm or a twitter dm or if you can find us on Facebook, a Facebook message. Um, we're happy to use those in the mailbag and sort of speak, answer your questions here because it's if you don't have the email saved in your emails, it's often actually, by the time you get your email app open, you've forgotten what the email is. So um, Instagram DMs, Twitter DMs are probably the easiest, most accessible way. Now, we've got a couple of new segments coming this year, Tom. This one, this. This one I'm, I'm really excited about. So... We're going to review the games, the upcoming games week on week, assuming the fixture stays in that logical round sort of format. If it goes to a footy festival footy, that becomes a little bit harder. But we'll be doing a little tipping sort of competition, but using the line, using the margins. So we've got a couple of little stings. Magnificent. So we're going to be tipping plenty of winners there. So stay tuned for that. And, and Full transparency. We're gonna pick I'm gonna pick three games a week. Tom will pick three games a week. We'll track our progress. We need to hit about fifty-five percent across the year to effectively generate a profit because obviously the house has that little edge. Uh but we're we're gonna run through it. We'll run through each game individually, but yeah, there might be some outliers. And I've already mentioned funnily enough, I've mentioned the North Melbourne minus twenty four and a half against Port in round one. Sorry, Port minus twenty four and a half is the bet of the round. It's now minus 28 and a half after our, what would you say, dismal showing against the Saints. Uh, so the line's that. starting to move and, and look, the writing was on the wall for our year in terms of the value there. Uh, the other one, and we sort of mentioned him, but I'm just going to do it here. Raise a glass to Bruce. <laughs> Cheers, Bruce. Oh, it was a brilliant AFL calling career. Obviously, you're still doing the races, but uh, you you just really you've set the bar so high. I don't think anyone's going to be able to reach it, at least not in the, the near future. So, low segments coming back. Tom takes aim is going to be the highlight of my journey <laughs> this year. I, I can't wait to see what you take aim at this year, Tom. Especially if the Saints get rolled in a controversial <laughs> one week one. I hate oh, to don't, say don't it, tempt but... the football gods. Please don't tempt them because they nah, will find a way. No, nah, you'll you'll play finals this year, Tom. No doubt. No doubt the Saints make it up there. I will hold you to that. Can I just say I'm not sure though those sound effects 
you might be like, oh, we've just purchased them. That, that, that's Seb's own coin jar, by the way. So we, we've gone local, and that <laughs> might have been Seb opening a can too. So I don't know how I'm going to find an arrow to take aim, but I'll do my best. But, yeah, that was a pretty sizable coin jar being emptied, dare I say. Yeah, just a little little money box. One of the kids has built up a little fortune over the years, uh, mostly 20-cent pieces, so really not that much money. But, uh, yeah, just a little little bit of behind the scenes for the off-season. I think that's it for this week, Tom. I'm pumped for the start of the, what would have been the, whatever the community series is called, but it's just literally a week of preseason games. Uh, any final thoughts for the viewers? No, just just absolutely pumped for the season ahead. And I'm sure uh, we'll, we'll be back with bigger previews and, and uh, reviews of, of the season that's about to come for you fans out there. So looking forward to that. That's it. And thanks for this, Pat. Go every team play in the bombers. Go in.